Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. Today, we're going to kind of talk about when God actually speaks to us individually. I've titled the message, Say What? That God, what are you saying to me? Sometimes you sense God speaking to you. You know, I've had people tell me before, like, you know, I don't know if that was just kind of like, you know, the pizza I ate last night, or if it was really like God telling me to do something, urging me uh, to, to go and to follow his ways. Our theme verse for this series is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and it says this, and whatever you do, look at your neighbor and say, whatever, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so in action or what you say, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do in our life should bring glory to God, should, should be to pursue him and to give glory to him and his purpose for our life. So this week, though, we're going to talk a little bit more detail about how God speaks to us individually, looking at the life of Jacob. I don't know about you, but I've never heard an audible voice from God before. And I would ask you to raise your hand if you have and if you have, an usher will, will remove you from, I'm just, I'm just kidding, but, but, but most of us, and, and maybe you have had some kind of experience where you really thought you heard God in an audible way, but, but I, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice. You know, it's never been, you know, Kyle, this is what I want you to, you know, it, it doesn't happen that way, right? We have to decipher, we have to kind of filter through the decisions and the things that happen in our life to really figure out what God wants us to do, what God is speaking to us. So we're going to look at the life of Jacob and kind of his story and how God spoke to him through three different ways. And if you don't know about Jacob, Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. And, and, and his father was Isaac, so Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. You know, you know that song. And so Abraham was the, the guy that God chose to, to birth the nation of Israel through, that all the descendants of Israel were going to come through him. And so Jacob is his grandson. So Jacob's playing an important line because, again, God said, through your lineage, through your family, I'm going to establish kind of my kingdom here on the earth. So Jacob had an important role to play. And Jacob was a twin. He had a twin brother named Esau. And actually, when they were, when they, when they were being born, or that Jacob was grabbing for the heel of his brother. So there was this competition from the very beginning where it says that he was grabbing for his brother's heel as he was coming out of the womb, where he was trying to say, no, you're not going first, I'm going first. And so Esau was born first, so this was a a tension between the twins, because the firstborn got the birthright. The firstborn got the blessing from the God, so from the father. So the inheritance and all those things that come with that blessing, there was this tension. And so Jacob's name actually means deceiver, was always trying to trick his brother to steal that firstborn right from him. And so he actually steals his birthright for a pot of stew. Esau's been out hunting, he's very hungry, he's very famous, he comes in, he says, man, I would do anything for some food. Have you ever been there before, right? Like you see the Whopper commercial, that's my thing. You know, I see a Whopper on TV, I'm like, dude, I want to go get a Whopper right now. I don't care what you say, the Whopper is still one of the best hamburgers that you can get. And in fact, a couple days ago, I gave in, I drove through, I got a Whopper Junior though. So hey, you know, give me a little credit there. But that's kind of where he was at. He was so hungry, and he sells his birthright for a pot of stew, which meant like 
the inheritance, everything. You know, he gave it all up for a pot of stew. And you go, man, what an idiot. Why would he do that? But really, a lot of us do that all the time with stuff, that we sell the, the birthright that God has given us, the blessing that God has given us for something like a pot of stew, something like a relationship or a promotion at work where we sell out and sell our values to get something that really doesn't have as much value. So Jacob does that. He steals his brother's birthright. Then he actually steals the father's blessing as his father's dying. Esau, I guess, was like this real hairy dude. And so Jacob dressed himself up in and, and this whole scheme with the help of his mother to steal the blessing of his brother. And so when that happens, Esau's like, you know what, I've had enough. My whole life I've been dealing with you. You're my little bro- twin, but little brother, always after me, always trying to get what, what's rightfully mine. And so Je- Esau decides, I'm going to kill Jacob. And so Jacob, in chapter 28, in Genesis 28, if you want to turn there, if not, I'll be on the screen. Again, you can follow along in the app section. If you don't have the Adventure Church app, you can download that. There's a live section. All the notes are in there. You can take notes and follow along today. But that's where we pick up today. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is on the run for his life. And so we're going to look at three ways that through this circumstance and this situation in Jacob's life that God is leading him, directing him towards God's will. And the first way that we find in Genesis 28, 1 through 5, is that God will lead us to his will, that he will speak to us through the influence and advice of others. Genesis 28, 1 through 5, so Isaac called for Jacob, that was his father, and blessed him. He said, you must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your grandfather, Bethuel, everybody say that, Bethuel, that's a tough one, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. How many of you right there are like, I didn't know this was uh, set in West Virginia. Um, So Jacob, yeah, dude, I love West Virginia. All of my family comes from West Virginia. Let me just get that out there, save you the email right now. I like West Virginia. That's where I am a descendant of West Virginia. And so he said, go there and marry them. And so this wasn't a racial thing either. This was a religious thing. He said, I don't want you to marry someone outside of our religion. That's what a Canaanite woman was not a follower of God. It wasn't in the same religion as them. And so this was a religious decision. He said, go and marry one of your uncle's daughters. He said, may God Almighty bless you and give you many children. And may your descendants multiply and become many nations. And may God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram to stay with his uncle Laban and his mother's brother, the son of Bethuel, the Arminian. And so that's where Jacob finds us. And it's interesting when you read through that, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves in situations, you even hear people say this, that God told me to do this. And again, I've never heard an audible voice from God where God told me to do something, but through the advice, through the, the influence and the counsel of his father, Isaac told Jacob where he needed to go. Isaac told Jacob what he wanted him to do. And God was using Isaac, the influence, the advice of someone else, to lead him to his will. And Jacob here, again, he's in a dire situation. His brother is trying to kill him, and and Isaac sends him away. And God was using his father to give him the direction and to lead him to his will for his life. He was the one that was going to carry on the name. He's telling him, you're the one the blessing is going to come through. You're the one who's going to, God's going to fulfill the promise he gave to Abraham. So Jacob had a huge part to play in this story. 
And God was using someone else to speak to him. God will use the right people to get you to the right place. The right people to get you to the right place. God will use the right people to get you to the right place. Proverbs 20.18 says this. And Proverbs is kind of the wisdom literature. It's full of of kind of one-liners and and verses that give us advice. And it says this, Proverbs 20.18. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Don't set out on a journey. Don't try to follow God without getting advice. Proverbs 27, 8 through 10. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. The heartfelt counsel of a friend. Key word there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. All of us in here want to be successful. All of us in here want to follow the will of God for our life. We want to know what God wants us to do. And I'm telling you today, the right people in your life, God will use to get you to the right place. I remember my my first few years in ministry, I was a youth pastor in the frozen tundra of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And, and, And about three years in, I really just started sensing that God was leading me somewhere else. But it was a very difficult decision for me because I was, I was very happy where I was. We had kind of built this youth meeting. It was kind of like a church plant that I went to. I've shared that a little bit before. They fired the janitor to hire me. I was the first full-time hire at the church. There was about 125 people there at the time. I was the, the youth pastor. We had just a handful of kids, and, and we had grown. We had close to 100 kids in our youth ministry, had about 25 leaders around me. I finally was getting paid decent money. I wasn't cleaning the toilets anymore, you know. Like, life was getting good for me. I was single. I had a roommate, you know, so the money I was making went a lot further than it would today. But, but I was in a good situation, but I just had this feeling, this unsettledness in my heart and in my spirit where I was just going, God, you know, why do I sense you're pulling me away and calling me somewhere else when, when for the first time I've really felt like I kind of got to a place that, that was good and stable and I sense God. And so I have a mentor in my life. But again, the right people will help lead you to the right place. And, and someone who was my youth pastor when I was in, in college and I worked under him and interned under him. And I would talk to him all the time about this feeling. And he would, you know, try to just let me kind of figure it out myself and would give me advice and, and talk to me. And finally, I, I was actually speaking at a retreat in Texas. And, and I flew down and I got to, to have lunch with him that day. And I was, again, kind of sharing where I was at. And finally, he just looked at me and he said, Kyle, listen, you need to leave. And I was like, oh, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, well, I mean, well why, why do you think that? And so he kind of just laid it out. He said, you know, you're struggling with the will of God for your life. And and staying here and doing this, and he said, I'm just telling you from the things you've told me, the months of turmoil you've kind of been in, that I really feel like God is telling you it's time to move on. And so I took that, and I prayed about it, and I was like, God, you know, I think you're right. And as I began to think through that advice and process that, God began to speak to me. And so the, we need to listen to the voices of the people around us. Maybe it's your spouse, right? I need to listen to my spouse. No one knows you better than your spouse. That was a good spot for an amen, ladies. You know, I was trying to, to help you out. Like, you know, I've been telling you to get back in the gym, you know, like you need to 
listen to me, and, and, but that's a good person that, you know, Jess will, will give me advice. She'll talk to me. Any, any big decision I have, I, I run it through her. And anytime I'm feeling a certain way, I say, what do you think about this? How do you think the church is going like this? And what do you think about this or that? And she talks to me. Maybe it's an, another mentor or a pastor in your life or a friend who you have that you trust and that you respect and, and has the same values as you, but you need to listen to those voices because just like Jacob God will use people, maybe your parents, whoever it is, to give you advice, to influence you in a way that's going to lead you to ultimately to God's will for his life. Isaac told Jacob that it was time to go. God didn't tell him. Isaac told him, and he, had, he, he heeded the advice of his father. But just as God will use the right people to get you to the right place, the devil will use the wrong people to get you to the wrong place. So you need to be careful about who you allow to speak into your life on that level. I've counseled people before, couples and people going through difficult times in their marriage. And and, and a lot of times, you know, I I tend to find out that, that who is speaking into the situation where it's someone at work, it's another lady, it's another man who's telling them like, yeah, dude, like you shouldn't have to put up with that stuff. And you should just leave and you should just do this. And, and someone who doesn't have the same values of you, who doesn't view your marriage the same way you do, we begin to listen to that. We begin to buy into that. And the devil will use that to, to, to let you buy into the lie that he has for your life. Because he doesn't want you following God's will. He doesn't want you getting where God wants you to be for your life. And so you have to be really careful about who you allow to speak into your life on that level. That's why I was very careful to say someone that you trust, someone that you respect, and someone that holds the same values as you. And so if you are a Christian pursuing God's will for your life, listen, you don't need to be getting advice from people who aren't Christians because they don't hold the same values as you do. So don't allow that into your life. Just as God will use the right people, the devil will use the wrong people. I always tell people this, and and youth pastor for so long, and and friends and and peer pressure at that age is such a huge influence. And people are like, well, how do I know who to hang out with? You know, I'm trying to influence them. I'm trying to to share God with them. And and though they don't have those values, you know, we're close friends. And I always say, who's influencing who? Do you have the influence over them? Or do they have the influence over you? Because friends are like elevators. They will take you up or they will take you down. So where are your friends going? Who are you hanging out with? That's where you're going to head. And God will use the right people. The devil will use the wrong people. Who are you allowing to speak in your life? So God will speak to us. We're trying to hear God. We're trying to figure out his will. He will use the influence and advice of others. And then he also uses life situations. Life situations to speak to us. Genesis 27, 41 through 43. From that time on, and this is going back a little bit to where Again, Esau was upset. This is going back to the end of chapter 27. And Esau, again, is trying to to kill his brother. It says, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah, his mom, heard about Esau's plan. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. So this life situation that Jacob found himself in isn't very good, right? Jacob had made some poor decisions. However, even in the midst of a poor decision, God is still using that situation to get Jacob to where he wants him to go. Again, this isn't an ideal. I'm sure Jacob didn't intend his life to go this way. At this time, Jacob was 40 years old. He had no wife. 
He had no family of his own, and he's leaving the only family that he has and going to a place that he's never been before because his only brother is trying to kill him. Sounds like a good movie, doesn't it? I mean, that's not, a, that's not an ideal situation to be in. However, God is still using that situation to lead him to his ultimate will for his life. I don't know what situation you're in today. Sometimes the situations we find ourselves in are very good. Sometimes the situations we find ourselves in are very bad. Regardless of if it's good or bad, we can learn through Scripture that the Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That even when I'm an idiot and I make a bad mistake and I do something negative, if my heart is in the right place and I'm repentant towards God and I say, God, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? God says, yes, I will. And I will also, if you keep your heart in the right place and your heart is to pursue me and you're pursuing the purpose I have for your life, that I can use even your mistake, even a negative situation to get you where I want you to go. Some of the situations we find ourselves in are because of outside circumstances that we can't control. And again, we talk about this all the time because I think it's such a big thing that many of us struggle with a circumstance that we're in. And, and, but, but guess what? Again, we're not robots. That God gives us free will. And no matter what happens to you, you can choose how you respond to it. That you can view it through the lens of, you know what, even though this is negative, even though I lost my job, even though this relationship didn't work out, if I view this through the right perspective, through the will of God for my life, God can use this situation to ultimately get me where he still wants me to go. But we have to view it through that lens. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. So we have outside circumstances we can't control, but this is one that I, I think a lot of people struggle with, even myself, is where we make bad decisions and then we get mad at God about it. God, why did, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did, why did I get pulled over and get a DUI? Well, because you went out and you were drinking and you drove a car. Right? We get mad. I can't believe this happened to me. I'm not going to be able to drive. This is going to mess up my work. And the Bible is very clear. It says that God is not a man that he should be mocked, that you reap what you sow. That we reap the consequence for action. Forgiveness is still there. Grace is still there. God's purpose is still there. He can still work that to his will for our life, but he can't erase the consequences because then, if he did, we would be robots. God doesn't want robots. He created us for relationship. He wants to know us. He wants us to choose him. But God is so great that even when I am foolish, that he can use those situations to get me to where I want to go. Jacob was on the run because of his own poor decision. But God was still in the middle of that situation leading Jacob to his will for his life. Confession time for me. Is that okay? I know you guys aren't priests or anything, but I'm going to confess a little bit to you. I struggle sometimes. One of my negative traits, and if Jess was in here, she's back serving in the kids today, she would be amening this right now. But this isn't a tendency that I'm proud about, but I have the tendency in life situations that when they don't go my way, that I immediately want to figure out whose fault it is. I want to find someone to blame. And because of pride and because of my flesh, most of the time, I don't blame myself. I find someone else. And usually it's the people that are closest to you, right? 
And so a lot of times I can place blame on Jess for things that happen to us in life, like, like dumb stuff, like the kid leaves a toy out and I stub my toe on it and I'm limping around. I'm like, Jess, how many times do I, I told you to tell these kids to put the toys away? And it's not her fault, right? But just my tendency, I want to put the blame somewhere. And that's not something I'm proud of. It's something I work on. It's something that Jess will remind me of a lot. You know, she'll tell me, like, hey, this ain't my fault. You know, something breaks in the house. I'm like, whose fault is it? You know, like, who can I blame? Riley, did you put this here? You know, who can I blame? And sometimes it's my fault. And I just need to, to own up and accept I made a poor decision. I did something wrong or I wasn't thinking straight or I didn't pray enough. And I made a bad decision that cost me in some way. And I just need to own up and accept it. And realize that God can still use that to get me where he wants to go. And other times, I just need to go, you know what? It's no one's fault. It's just a situation that happened that that really no one could control, that no one saw coming. And I just need to view it through the proper lens and perspective of God's will for my life. That even though I have free will, that God is using me, that he's a part of my decisions. And he will help me even overcome my own stupidity or someone else's to still get me to where he wants me to go in my life. That's the beauty of trusting God and accepting him and having a relationship with him is that he's a part of it. And even though we make mistakes, he's still with us. He's still leading us. Jacob made some bad decisions. He's on the run for his life and God was still going to use him to establish Israel. If, if it wasn't for Jacob, we wouldn't be here today. Like, like that's how significant Jacob's role was. And look at the mistakes he made and look how God continued to use him. When I used to work at Kroger, I was a, started out as a bagger there when I was like 15 or 14, and minimum wage was like 5.35 an hour, and I was living high on the hog, and, and, and I started there, but I, I quickly, you know, I got great work skills, I was bagging groceries really good, and, and they, they promoted me to the grocery department, and that meant I didn't have to go outside when it was cold anymore, so I jumped at the opportunity, but however, my first role in the grocery department is what they called a conditioner. And what I did, when I got out of school, I would go there and I worked like four hours, I faced out the, the aisle. So like when someone would buy a couple boxes of cereal and the next one was way back, my job was to walk the store and to pull the stuff closer and to have it. And I'm kind of like a perfectionist and like type A. And so like I would get upset, you know, at people when I would like face it out and someone would come and buy something. I'd be like, man, why you got to buy that? Now I got to fix it again. Like, and so that's how I was. I was going around, I was doing it all the time. But then we had this thing a couple times a year called inventory, right? And inventory really jacked my job up because what inventory did is they went through the whole store and they pushed everything back so they could count it, right? And they would go through this process and I hated it because then I would come in at work and I'd have to go back through and pull out everything in the whole store to get it looking good again. But the reason they did inventory was to see, right? The reason why they do inventory in any job is one to see how, you know, products are selling, to see what's working and what's not, and to see, you know, to kind of take inventory or assessment of the situation that the store is in at the time. And, and we kind of need to do that same thing in our own lives where we need to take inventory or kind of have an assessment of where we're at in our life and see, God, what's, what situation am I in and how are you speaking to me through this situation to get me closer to the purpose that you have for my life? So we need to do that. We need to, to look in, inward, inventory, and see that. And when we do that, I think we need to ask ourselves two questions. The first one is this, is what advantages does God want you to leverage? What, what good situations, what, what things have God blessed you with 
does he want you to leverage, again, for his will and for his purpose? What does he want you to do? Maybe God's giving you giftings and talents and abilities. He's saying, you know what, I'm giving you these things. You're very gifted in this way, so I want you to use that and get involved with the church or lead a small group or whatever that may be, but, but I've given you these things. I've, this situation is who you are. I want you to leverage that for my kingdom and my will. Maybe God has blessed you financially where, where you, you have a surplus of income where you can give away, and, and it, it, God wants you to leverage, again, your finances for you to be generous. That's not something you need to pray about. God, throughout Scripture, wants us to be generous. He wants us to be givers, and, and, and we just need to do and leverage what God has given us. So that's the first question as we take in more. Second thing, we say, what limitations do I have that God wants me to embrace? What things that are happening in my life that, you know what, I'd rather take the, the remote control and, and fast forward through this chapter of my life and, and skip to the next scene, but to, you know what? what, what if God wants you to embrace that season, that, that situation, because that season is going to prepare you for what's coming ahead? What does God want you to embrace? You know, there's limitations that all of us face. I have two kids, and their advantage, and they're a blessing from God, and I love them. I wouldn't change my life for one second, but there's limitations that come with having a kid. Can I get an amen, right, parents? Like, you, you can't just drive to the store, you know? Like, hey, I, we forgot the milk, you know? It's like, well, I'm going to go back by myself because we're not getting the two kids ready. I'm not putting their coats on. I'm not going to deal, you know, Riley has to take this animal and this. Otherwise, it's a meltdown. And, you know, we find ourselves in those situations. And, you know, I can't travel like I used to when I was single. I can't, you know, we, Jess and I used to go on a cruise every year to celebrate our, our anniversary. Since we've had kids, you want to know how many cruises we've been on? Zero, right? There's just limitations. And so I, I have to look at those things. And when I, when I line them up with God's will for my life, if God called me to say, you know what, I want you to lead the church, but I also want you to travel every week and go speak and do these things, I would say, God, that really doesn't make sense for me. And so I look at my life situation and I'm trying to figure out if that's God's will for my life or not. And God just says, look, does this make sense? I was meeting with someone a couple of weeks ago and it was like, you know, they had opportunities to go somewhere else. And it's like, let's just look at where you're at in your life. Would this make sense for you to move? Would this make sense for you to go and do something? And a lot of times, it's really that simple. Where, you know, I can't travel full-time and do that because I have two kids, and they're only going to be kids once, and I'm the only dad they're ever going to have, and so I don't want to miss their lives because I'm out doing God's will. doesn't make sense. We have to look at our life situation, and even though it may be a limitation in some ways, we embrace it for what it is, and say, God, what do you want me to do in this? If you're single today, embrace it. Embrace singleness. I'm, I'm, I love, again, I love being married. I love that. My first three years of ministry, I, when we started that youth group, and before I, I married Jess, right after we moved on from Milwaukee, that, that I was able to, to invest a lot of time into the church, into students. I could go hang out with kids and, and, and do those things that I couldn't do now that I'm married. So some of you, it's like, we just want to get through this thing. I just want to get married. I just want to do this. What does God want you to embrace that you may see as a limitation that he says, I want you to leverage that. I want you to use that to get you where you want to go. Sometimes in your life, you don't have to pray about it. You just got to think about it, okay? That's not overcomplicated. Does it make sense? Logically, God gave you a brain. He just says, use it. I don't think sometimes God says, I just... 
God, do you want me to do this? It doesn't make sense. You have kids. You know, you're married. You can't do the things that. You know, I talking to a missionary with someone who, I feel God wants me to be a missionary. And, and through our network, if you're going to be a missionary, you can't have any debt. So the first question I asked them, I said, how much debt do you have? They're like, oh, it's not too bad, like 50 grand. I was like, oh. Like, they just got out of college. I said, well, you're not going to be able to be a missionary until you pay off all of your debt because you can't raise money for support and then expect them to pay off your debt. Like, they're going to want you to do that. Oh, man, I really felt like God wanted to be a missionary. Like, not right now. Use our brains. Life situations, the last thing that God used to speak to Jacob and that he uses to us. So we have, you know, again, our life situations. We have the advice of others that God uses that. And then he also uses the leading of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. The Bible says when we accept Christ at that moment, we are filled with his Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to decipher what's right from wrong, to to lead us and to guide us. Jesus said that when he left, that he was sending his spirit to us. That's what he told the disciples. They were upset that he was going to be leaving. He said, don't be upset because what I'm going to send to you is going to be even greater than me being here myself because the spirit can go inside all of us and lead us. Genesis 28, 11 through 17, a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I think it describes how the Holy Spirit was leading Jacob in this very difficult situation that he found himself in. So Jacob is on the run for his life. He's traveling, and this is where we pick up here. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and to lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from heaven or from earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But, but he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is, it is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. And so again, Jacob is fleeing his brother. He stops to rest, to lay down for the night, and he lays his head down on a rock. I thought that was interesting, that maybe some of you today feel like you're in a difficult situation, whatever it is, and, and, and you don't have a pillow to lay your head on. In fact, the only rest you get is laying your head on a rock. A hard place to be, a hard situation. And I'm sure for Jacob, that was just another reminder of what he was missing back at home, of what could have been if he would have made the right decision. And in his darkest moment, in his hardest moment, God speaks to him through a dream. The Holy Spirit comes and speaks to him and reassures him that I am with you, I will always be with you, that I will fulfill my promises, that the will that I have for your life will be complete. And so just at the right time, the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to Jacob and encourages him that you're on the right path, you're on the right journey, and I'm not going to leave you. And Jacob wakes up 
And he says, man, what an awesome place it is that God is here, that God hasn't forgotten about me, that God is with me. He said, it's an awesome place to be. Even though he was in a a terrible situation, Jacob still said, again, because he was viewing it through the proper lens and perspective, this is still an awesome place to be. Why? Because God is with me. And no matter where I am, if God is with me and I'm receptive to that, God is getting me where he wants me to go. So no matter where you're at today, no matter what situation you're in, the will of God, discovering the will of God, God uses life situations. He uses people to get you where you go. But his Holy Spirit is with you no matter what. And the Holy Spirit will lead you as well. John 16, 13 through 15 says this, when the Spirit of truth, and this is Jesus talking, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you to where you need to be. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I've said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives is from me. So Jesus is saying, whatever the Spirit leads you to do, he's working for me. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one together, working together. So when Jesus wants you to do something in your life, he will use the Holy Spirit to lead you to where he wants you to go. But how many of you ever find yourself in a situation, you go, again, is this the Spirit? Is this the Holy Spirit? Like this feeling that I have, that, that, that I'm feeling like God is wanting me to do this? Or is it just me? Is it me? Is it, is it my flesh playing it? Is, 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 this, is this me thinking that this is what God wants? And, and sometimes those are hard places to be. Jess and I have shared before, we've been on the house hunt for a while now, months. And just a few uh, weeks ago, we, we found one, and we went into contract, and it was kind of the, the ideal situation, and better house than we thought we would get. And we were like, God, you are so good, this is awesome, you know, all these doors closed and you opened this one. Well then, a, a couple weeks, really three weeks before closing, I found out that there was a ton of water, this was a foreclosed house, and that there was water that was in the basement and because of that water there had been lots of mold issues and all this other stuff and so as we were getting inspected we were looking at it and 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 I just felt this check and they had reassured us that hey again advice of other people my realtor you know was telling me they were telling me hey we fixed it we took care of it well the new drywall was up I couldn't see the walls in the basement I got two kids they're three then they're one if I had any mold in my house whatsoever and I put my family in that kind of situation, I'd never forgive myself, right? All of us would, would do that. And so I thought, you know what? I just kind of ignored it. I pushed it away. And I just really felt I had this check, like you can't do it. And I was like, but we've been looking forever. This is the right place. This was, you had all these things that it seemed just right. And I said, you know what, God, I'm going to go to the house. We had another inspection. I said, I just really need you to speak to me. I need you to make it very clear. And I walked into the house and some of the work that was supposed to be completed wasn't completed. And I, I knew, in my gut, I knew, you can't do it. you got to stop. We can't go through with it. I remember going home and telling us, I said, you know, maybe we should sit on it for the weekend, whatever it is. I just said, but, but we're not going to do it. We can't go through with it. So even that day, I sent the email and started the process. And, and we're still trying to, to negotiate everything back out of where it was. We were, we were very, very far along in the process. And so, but I had to trust that. I had to, to say, you know, in my gut, and a lot of times we say, you know, I just knew in my gut. I'm telling you, if it's in your gut and you feel strongly about that, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. That's God saying, don't do this. Don't take that promotion. Don't 
Don't go out with that person. Draw the boundary. Don't, don't put yourself in that situation. That's the Holy Spirit. It says it will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so you know what? I might have said that we, the house didn't work out. Yeah. But do I have complete peace about it? 100%. I'll never think about it in that way again. Did I make a mistake? No way. Nope. I knew. God was leading me. He's with me in any situation, good or bad. He was there. And I knew we needed to stop. I knew it wasn't, wasn't right. So the Holy Spirit will lead you and do that. In the middle of, of Jacob's tough situation, God gives him a dream. It's leading him and telling him, this is where you're going to go. This is what I'm going to do. These are the promises that I have for you. And he realized this is an awesome place. Surely God is with me. Surely God is with you. Surely God is for you. Surely God loves you. And no matter what situation you're in this morning, God is leading you into all truth because he loves you, he cares about you, and when you receive him, you receive his spirit, and he's leading and guiding your life. But ultimately, again, last week we talked about the word of God. I want to finish with this. The band can come. We're going to close out. But ultimately, through the advice of others, through life situations, and through the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, you always have to come back to the Word of God. It is the foundation. It is the filter that you base every decision through. So if someone's telling you, you need to get divorced, and look, I'm saying if you're in a difficult situation and there's abuse and there's, there's difficult things, you need to step out of that. I'm not trying to say that. But if you're listening to someone, if you're in a marriage and it's still, you're, you're fighting for it and you think it's gonna happen, if someone is telling you, you just need to go ahead and get divorced. I can tell you right now, that is not God. Why? Because it's in his word. If God's telling you, you can go ahead and do that thing, you can go ahead and scheme and you can steal and do those things and you have that advice from someone else, it's not a, you, can, you can do that, you can hide that money there, you can do those kind of things. That's not God. Because it's in his will. Because it's in his word. It's in his word. It's again, the word is clear. Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the the floodwaters rise and, and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it's been built on bedrock. But when anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds their house on sand. When the rains and the floods came, the winds beat against the house and it, it will collapse with a mighty crush, crash. Jacob said that this was the house of God and he had that dream and God spoke to him and he, he, he laid a rock down in the store and he said, I will build my life on this truth. I will build my life on Jesus. And many of us in here and say, you know what? This is the foundation of God. His word is the foundation. And he says, you build your life on my word, on my truth, on what on what the Bible says. The interesting thing in this passage is he describes two different houses, right? One that's built on rock, one that's built on sand. And so, again, it's not the place that you build. They, they, They were built in the same place. They were exposed to the same environment. They were in the same storm. But one stood and one fell. Why? Because it's not the place that you build your life on. So it doesn't matter where God leads you, it's the person that you build your life on. It's building our life on Christ. And no matter where you are, if you are following the word of God, he says you are in the will of God. Jesus said, and I will lead you and guide you to all truth. The advice of others will be wrong sometimes. So 
you go to the Word. Life situations will be difficult to understand sometimes. So what do you do? You go to the Word. The Holy Spirit. Is this me? Is it? We go back to the Word. It's the foundation that we build our life on. And when we build our life on the Word, He says, no matter what happens, no matter what situation, no matter what storm you're in, you'll stand. Sure, you're going to face the weather and it's going to be difficult, but when the storm passes, you'll still be standing. Why? Because you've built on strong foundation. We build our life. We build our marriages. We build our families. We build our careers. We build it all on the Word of God, the foundation, the solid rock that we stand. The will of God will always come through the Word of God for you.